What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney Today on What Got You There Sean talks with Michael Bledsoe Mike is the CEO of Barbell Shrugged which optimizes business operations for major national gyms In addition, he is the CEO of Fitter TV, a production company for health and fitness media, as well as the host of Barbell Shrugged, the number one fitness podcast on iTunes. Prior to that, he was a Navy veteran and holds a health and human performance degree from the University of Memphis. He also has certified training credentials with both USA Weightlifting Performance and the National Strength and Conditioning Association. In this episode, Sean and Mike talk fitness, entrepreneurship, relationships, and so much more. If you're loving the content you're hearing from What Got You There, please head over to iTunes, give us a five-star review, and share with your friends. Today, What Got You There is being fueled by Soniva Super Coffee. Soniva provides an organic bottled coffee blended with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil for all-day energy. Grab a bottle at your local Whole Foods market or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. Are you looking to finish the latest thriller, such as The Girl on the Train, while you're at the gym or in the car? Well, now you can. For listeners of What Got You There podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check this out. Head over to www.audibletrial.com forward slash what got you there to choose from over 180,000 titles to select the book you want to hear next. Mike Bledsoe, welcome to What Got You There. How are you doing today? Really good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, this one's going to be a blast. You are very entertaining. You've been in the podcast world for a number of years now, one of the biggest audiences out there. So this is going to be a lot of fun. But before we get into your story, everything you're doing today, how do you start your day? Uh, I make sure to be to be awake two hours before I have any work related commitments. So um, I I uh, wake up. I drink about sixteen ounces of water with uh, some sea salt in it, and then uh, I get on my gorgeous ball and I massage out my diaphragm and my entire torso do some breathing exercises, and then uh, I uh, do a little bit of flow work to get my body warmed up for the day, and then I drink a, uh, a smoothie packed with all sorts of stuff. And uh, well, actually, before I do my diaphragm stuff, I actually read a little bit. I do a little bit of reading before I do the diaphragm stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I make my smoothie and then kind of hang out with my wife or listen to some music or sometimes get started on work early if I, uh, if that doesn't take me as long, but it, it varies. Awesome. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what the morning looks like. What are the specifics of your breath work? Um, it varies. So, uh, I got, I got into breath work through the Wim Hof method, which is really cool. Um, and super easy to follow along with. Um, I'd been exposed to some stuff prior, but that's what really got me into a practice of doing it daily. Um, and then uh, I've looked more into some yogi, uh, yogic stuff and some uh, pranayama. And, you know, it just kind of varies from day to day. I just play with it. So a lot of what I'm doing with my breath work is really focusing on the mechanics of my breath. 
Um, but also uh, just playing around and seeing what hyperoxygenation feels like, what deprivation feels like, and and all that. So um, sometimes getting into a, a state where, uh, yeah, just creating state changes, um, uh, how I feel um, can be a lot of fun. So great. Yeah. No, we've it's, had it's hard to describe. Yeah, no, we've had Brian McKenzie on. I know you've worked with him in the past. Have you been focusing a lot on nasal only breathing? Um, I I have with my training quite a bit. Um, and well, just in general, yes, that's that's true, yes. Um, but mm, I, I'd say over time, I probably uh, nose breathe more now than ever, <laughs> just to practice for sure. Gotcha. And then you kind of mentioned some of that joint mobility. Is that something you've started to add? In the past few years, have you gotten a little bit older, more experienced in your training, or have you been doing that for a while? Um, that's actually been, you know, I, I think that uh, the style of like uh, movement and uh, and mobility work and all that kind of stuff, the thing that jives with me is something I found uh, probably in the last year. Uh, I've gotten really consistent with it. I've always done some type of corrective exercise so if a physical therapist or a chiro gives me some some type of corrective exercise i i usually do that first thing in the morning but i say in the last year it was uh john wolf from on an academy he introduced me to a bunch of the more um you know taking all the joints through circular ranges of motion and all that kind of stuff and and uh yeah i, I started doing that about a year ago and it's been i feel better than i've ever felt so and doing a little bit of the animal flow stuff as well has been really good for me. Great. We'll have to link John up in the show notes. Make sure we check that out. And then you mentioned the animal flow. You want to give the listeners just a little preview of what that's like? Um, yeah, it's just a, a lot of crawling, really. Uh, and there's uh, there's some crawling, and then there's, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's much easier to show. But if you look at uh, another guy who does a lot of this is uh, Max Shank. And so he actually has a product called Five Minute Flow. Um which I think is a great way to introduce people to it. Um, but yeah, it, it like moving from back bends to bear crawl and, you know, uh, yeah, there's just a, honestly, it's just playing on the ground. Like, and one of the things that my friend Max talks about, which I really enjoy is asks, you know, what's your relationship with the ground? Like, is it something that you're afraid of or is it something that's easy to get close to? Do you move, uh, up and down from it easily? Um, are you heavy on it? Are you light on it? You know, and I think having a practice in the morning where you're, you know, working on that relationship with the floor and from different positions can be very beneficial. So I think, think, uh, something like that could be a better sign of like how long you're going to live versus, you know, VO2 max or back squat or a lot of these other fitness measures that we have. Um, it's not it's not really as easy to measure, and that's probably why it's not going to be referenced too much. But you know, I, I you know look at look at a you know a five year old their relationship with the ground versus someone who's ninety. You know, it's completely different. Yeah, I mean, are you someone who's been focusing a lot also on standing and just being grounded with nature at all? Oh yeah, I um I try to get out in nature uh, a, a few times a week, whether it's hiking, running on the beach, or surfing. And uh, yeah, I find that the more time I spend outdoors, uh, 
just the happier I am. The yeah, it's I, I think everybody really benefits from being out in nature and being out in the outdoors. I spend a lot more time doing things outside than spending time in the gym these days. And uh, I feel a lot better for doing it. I think my overall health is is much better. Awesome. What about evening routines? I've heard you talk about that before, really setting up your next day the evening before. Yeah, I, um, I'm actually not that strict about the the morning routine is super solid. The, the evening routine is not as consistent, I would say. Um, but uh, you know, and, and I guess that's my, you know, the way I'm looking at it, but I, I still do turn off, you know, before bed, we're not watching, we're not looking at any screens. It's usually just reading, um, you know, some things that I've played around with is journaling, you know, about my next day's activities the night before or, and things like that. But I don't have a very strict routine right now. Uh, there's just some things that I don't do, and that is I, I keep the lights real, dimmed really low, and I uh, I stay away from any screens. Um, and then I drink a uh, I usually drink bone broth uh, before bed, and so I, mean, I guess that is a routine. But uh, <laughs> it, it's more likely to to be varied. Cause I go to bed I go to bed at very different times. I, I'm not consistently going to bed at any time. So some nights it's 8.30 and other nights it's 2 a.m. Okay, awesome. So I know my listeners, most of them are familiar with you. Uh, we hit your intro here earlier, but you want to give them just a little bit more detail about yourself, who you are, what you're currently doing? Um, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I, I uh, let's see. I have Barbell Shrug, Barbell Business, and I have the Bledsoe Show. So I'm doing a lot of shows. I'm doing a lot of podcasting. Um, my interest lies more in learning and teaching than anything else. Um, and we have, uh, you know, uh, my main focus is on growing barbell business right now, which is specifically for gym owners and, uh, you know, really teaching and learning more about entrepreneurship and the gym industry so that we can in turn help those guys and girls out. Um, and, uh, we're, we're currently growing our coaching staff. So we have uh, plenty, we have a handful of people who are uh, just stellar coaches, business coaches. And uh, so right now, you know, I do shows, I, I help facilitate uh, any development of coaches and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, who I am, I, I guess uh, I can tell you about what I do, but I'm still asking the question of who I am all the time. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I mean, you're someone who's able to juggle so many things, entrepreneurial, uh, fitness-wise, which is exactly why we wanted to have you on. I'm fascinated when people can do so many things and be so successful. It seems like you've set up practices for these things, but I'm curious about the young Mike. What were you like as a kid? Any experiences uh, shape you for who you are today? Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> I think a lot of the things that I experienced as a child, I've actually had to undo um, in a lot of ways. And in other ways, there's a lot of things that served me really well. And, um, you know, uh, I come from uh, a blue collar family. My dad uh, ran a uh, home improvement business. And um, and uh, there was a lot of there's a lot of things that shaped me from there. You know, I, I learned to work hard. Um, however, uh, it, that seemed to always be the answer for any problem that existed was work harder, which is, 
which does not work. And um, when you start scaling a business, so working harder does not actually fix the problem. It's usually a lot of times that's what's keeping you from solving it. And so, you know, I, I gained an incredible amount of work ethic uh, from my childhood um, and growing up in, in that environment. Um, and there was a point where I had to realize where that type of mentality was uh, actually limiting me as well. So uh, I found that I would make things difficult just for the sake of feeling like I was doing a good thing. Um, so uh, definitely work easy these days. And, um, you know, there, I, I think there was, um, I don't know if I can recall anything specific that happened, but I, I grew up in a, you know, in a home where there was business ownership was a common thing. And, uh, and actually my interest in fitness was not exactly like my family wasn't like a fan of it really, but I want to do it anyway. And so I did. Um, what about being homeschooled? That, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that entered my mind and then I skipped right over it. The, uh, being homeschooled was super beneficial I, uh, I mentioned being homeschooled to my friends uh, in, in, that are entrepreneurs, and they're always, they're always uh, saying that I had a very, like I have an, an advantage for having been homeschooled. And it's true. I, um, I really had to manage my own structure from a very young age. And I think most people, you know, they're used to sitting in a classroom for eight hours and being told not to move and uh and to only use their minds and then um they get to college and the same thing happens and then they get to the workplace and the same thing happens and um you know i did not have very much rigid rigid structure when i was a kid uh so it, a lot of my education was really on my own um I, I didn't sit in a classroom and have anyone lecture to me or anything like that so there's a lot of benefits to where i, I think i learn faster than most because I know how to learn on my own. Whereas most people have no idea, uh, by the time they're, you know, they're in their twenties and they still don't know how to learn. Um, so, uh, I think there's a huge advantage there and there's just a level of independence that I've, that I think I have. Most people don't have. And, um, you know, I, I, I tend to deal really well with uncertainty and I think that being homeschooled actually helped with that quite a bit because I live, because, um, I think like one of my big fears when I was a kid was that I was not learning what was going to be valuable one day. And I was afraid that my peers who were in school were actually learning, you know, the things that were actually going to be, uh, worth learning. And of course, you're not really, you know, when I'm 12 years old, I'm not thinking that far into the future, but I, you know, everyone's playing the comparison game. So I was always concerned that uh, I wasn't going to like, I wasn't as smart as my friends or something like that. So uh, I think that because I was on my own and I was, I grew up in an environment where I was not being compared to other people um, as I was learning and as I was doing, uh, that actually created a lot of unknown for me. I was like, I don't know if I'm doing well or not. I don't know how I compare to others. I could, I could have been like really far ahead of people or I could have been really far behind and I would not know it. And that uncertainty created a lot of fear uh, for me. And I think that as I was growing up, 
having, being introduced to that fear early on was actually really beneficial because I learned to have a better relationship with uh, the unknown and what's uncertain. And in fact, I, I find in business a lot of times I have a mentality of not really paying attention to what the other guy is doing and really focusing on what I'm doing. It doesn't mean that I'm not trying to learn from other people. I'm definitely way in that direction. I'm always trying to learn from others, but I'm not worried about like competitors that often. Um, because every once in a while I peek up just to like, you know, someone on my team goes, Oh, there's this person who's doing something, uh, like we're doing it, or, you know, they're trying to, you know, offer a similar product or service. And I look up just enough to recognize that they're not, you know, anywhere close. And then I just put my head back down and we start working. So um, I think there's a lot of benefit there, whereas, you know, I think a lot of uh, a lot of people who are in school are were comparing themselves were like on on the daily were really sure where they stood um, in comparison to others. And so I think that, you know, there's there might be some benefits there to that that I'm just unaware of, but uh, I definitely am different in that way. Yeah, no, I mean, it's so interesting hearing about comparison to others and you're sitting on the outside looking in, being afraid that you're missing out on certain knowledge. And I went through the regular school system and I was the exact same way, but looking at kids like you thinking, my gosh, they're getting so much more benefit by being able to focus on the things that actually matter in life with entrepreneurship, things like that. So I was kind of jealous and envious about that. And also just always so interested with the school system. Uh, you guys don't currently have kids, do you? No. If you did, would you put them in the school system? No. Gotcha. Not, not a chance. Just completely broken, flawed system, you think? Uh, the, yeah. Uh, uh, the world is changing so rapidly that a system that was created during the industrial age uh, is not going to serve us. It, it doesn't serve us now. So um, there's... You know, if we look at a lot of the, the numbers around education and, and the United States, we, we may be one of the wealthiest countries uh, in the world, but we're not necessarily the most educated or self-aware. And I, I think it's because we, we take kids when they're as young as five or six, we put them in a desk for eight hours, we tell them not to move. And um, so then uh, we, and, but you must focus on the lesson. And then uh, if... Uh, if you're not doing well in your lessons, then uh, then we cut recess, we cut sports. <laughs> and so we're basically sending the message that the body is not important, but the mind is. And so we put the mind on this pedestal. And uh, and so, uh, you know, the the body is um, put on the back burner. Well, the, the thing about the body that people don't know is that makes up half of your consciousness, at least, if not more. And we're not tapped into it at all because we're forcing people to sit still. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I could go down this rabbit hole with you for hours uh, in the school system and everything like that. But now I want to kind of jump into how you first became involved with fitness and training. Um, I, I, I remember at like 13, 14 years old, picking up little books at the health food store on herbal remedies and stuff like that. And then when I was I always wanted to work out. I, I don't necessarily know where it came from, but I knew well before I was 15 years old that I wanted to lift weights and strength train. And um, so, and, but I wasn't allowed to go to the gym until I was 15. So when I was 15, on my 15th birthday, I went to the gym 
And I just started following the workouts from the magazines from that day forward and never stopped. Um, and in fact, the first three, four years that I trained in the gym, I trained by myself. Um, so it was really just, I, I really just enjoyed working with my body. Hmm. Did you say you were involved in the nutrition side of things prior to working out? Yes. That's yeah. interesting. I feel like most kids, you know, prepubescent or right when they hit puberty, they just want to throw around as much weight as possible, aren't even thinking about the proper nutrition. So you kind of were reversed to that? Yeah, I, I think it was out of uh, circumstance because I was not allowed to go to the gym until I was 15. So, however, I was interested in being healthier and stronger. So because I was interested in being healthier and stronger, you know, I, I just did a ton of research. So because I had like a year or two of research before I was even able to walk into the gym, I, I didn't get caught up in a lot of the BS and I was able to see the bigger picture before I stepped in. So I, I really had an advantage there. Did you have an advantage with your training systems at the time? You had so much literature, so much knowledge going into it that you had a good system and program at the time, or were you still just a kid at that age, kind of going in there, picking up things, putting them down? Oh, no, I was following programs. I mean, the, the programs were out of, you know, Muscle and Fitness Magazine, but I would I would take programs and do them for five or six weeks and then change programs. You know, it wasn't the best, but it wasn't the worst either. I, uh, I, I definitely, you know, I was doing full-depth squats, and I was, uh, you know, making sure to work my back out more than my chest and, and all that kind of stuff. So I... I, there was never a time where I was, you know, I, I think most kids walk in and they bench press a lot and then do some curls and they walk out, but I, I was really never that guy. And so it was, I, again, I think a lot of the benefits was, was I read a shit ton before I ever started doing anything. Yeah. I mean, it seems like one of the reoccurring themes here is you are an unbelievable learner. You're constantly adapting new things and trying out new things. If you weren't involved in health and fitness, any idea what you'd be doing right now? shit um (laughs) (laughs) um you know what i there was i almost went down the technology track so um and and i did when i was in the navy i did communications and even when i was 15 16 so i was i i worked a little bit of construction i also um when i was a teenager but i also helped maintain uh uh it network so I was an assistant to the IT department, and uh, and so I did a lot of that. So I was really into um, computers and stuff like that. So if I wasn't doing fitness, I I really think I'd be in some type of technology. Hmm, interesting. So I know you hit on that you were in the Navy there. How did you transition into the Navy? Um, I just I, I thought it'd be cool to get paid to run, swim, and blow shit up. <laughs> It didn't necessarily work out that way, you know, but, um, that was my, my main motivation for going in the Navy. Gotcha. And then right when you left the Navy, is that when you really became focused on, um, fitness and then got involved with Barbell Shrugged? Is that the time that happened? Um, no, I actually had no idea what I wanted to do when I got out of the Navy. So I, I'd been doing a lot of my own fitness stuff. I was helping my friends out with their training. I was, uh, and, and stuff like that. And then, um, but I didn't really know. And I was doing a lot of like tech work then. So when I got out, I just was so confused. I just went to business school. 
Um, and halfway through the first semester of business school, I realized that I did not want to learn about business. So I learned that there was an exercise science program um, at my school. And I was like, oh, OK, well, I'll just go over there um, and check it out. I'll do a semester and then figure out what I'll do after that. So even when I switched programs, I wasn't sold on that was what, you know, that was going to be my career path. But I got over there and the first uh, I went for the summer semester and I was introduced to the sport of weightlifting during the summer semester and fell in love with it. And that's when I knew that I wanted to, it was after that first semester, that's when I knew I wanted to stick with the exercise science program and there wasn't anything else. Because before I was even in the business school, I had no idea that there was, you could get a degree in exercise science or kinesiology or anything like that. So once that was on my radar, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I also knew that I wanted to make a really big impact. And I think that's one reason I was questioning whether fitness was going to be a way to do that. Because at the time, the only thing I knew about fitness, like if you were to get a degree and I was like, we're going to be a PE coach or a personal trainer. And there's nothing wrong with either one of those things, but I wanted to touch more people. And so I didn't really see how that would be, but I followed my, my passion nonetheless. And it, I, I think uh, I'm really glad that I did. Is that what's driving you today, having a massive impact on a lot of people? Um, man, uh, you know, I, I would say it has been for the majority of, of the past decade is, you know, having, you know, helping change lives. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I think over the last year, I've got kind of gotten over the hero complex. So I really don't believe anyone. <laughs> there's nobody to save. <laughs> And the world, you know, everyone's doing what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I'll put out an invitation. And and if somebody wants to come along for my ride, then they're welcome to come along for my ride. But, you know, I'm not – there's nobody out there that uh, needs saving. But if they want to come have the experience with me, that's cool. So I'm not – I wouldn't say I have like this – I used to. But, uh, you know, I, I don't really have a deep-down drive to, like, transform um, – you know, anything, if, if, I do want people to, you know, where I'm coming from is I want to transform. It, it would be nice. Uh, again, it's not one of these things where I wake up going, I've got to do this every day. But uh, the way that we operate and the way that I operate is I want people to think differently and I want them to think more deeply about why they're doing something and why they're not doing something. And I really want people to, uh, work out and pursue fitness and health because they really love themselves and they love their bodies and they love their life. And I really would like to shift the market to be more on that side of thing versus pointing out that they don't have six pack abs. So they're not good enough. So you should feel bad about yourself. So you should buy my supplement. So, um, I think there's a huge opportunity there. So, um, Again, I don't think that, you know, there's nobody to save. However, if you want to come over to my side of the house and, you know, approach life from a posit more positive aspect, then you're welcome. If you want to hate yourself and punish your body, then there's 99% um, of the other uh, people out there that are, that will sell you a bunch of products and services. Yeah. Jump on the Bledsoe roller coaster. I know you've mentioned this past year and 
a lot of the thoughts you've had have changed, and we're going to jump into that a little bit later, which is one of the major reasons I wanted to have you on. But let's transition into Barbell Shrugged, the podcast. You guys kind of got into podcasting before it was really hip and trendy. Uh, I mean, for everyone who's familiar with you guys, the number one fitness podcast on iTunes for years now, it seems like. So how'd you guys transition into that? And you are one of the co-hosts. How did that all come together? Uh, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to do it. So there was, <laughs> I'd been listening to podcasts and, and, um, they all seemed very dry. And then I was introduced to the Joe Rogan show. And that was when I really saw that a podcast could be anything you wanted it to be. So, uh, so I was like, oh yeah, let's start that. And so, you know, started seeing who we want to do the podcast with. And I tried out a, a bunch of different co-hosts and then we, and then we uh, settled on, you know, Doug, Chris and I, and we, we, uh, and uh, with CTP behind the camera and uh, yeah, we just started putting it out there and inviting our Facebook friends to check it out. And it just grew from there. Um, we definitely knew we had the awareness that, I wasn't going to put that. It was it was something I was going to do no matter what, and I knew that we would turn it into a business as well. How long did it take you guys to gain some traction, get some steam? Was that right off the bat, or was it some, take some time there? Um, I I would say it took about eighteen months. Eighteen months before it felt like okay, this is what we're doing. So let's let's think about some young entrepreneur right now. He's, he's grinding the way for 18 months. How do you keep that mindset and positivity that you think this is actually going to come to fruition? I mean, were there ever times you thought you, you guys needed to quit this? Um, no, not the show. I mean, I had already opened a gym and ran that for five years prior. Um, and I, and I totally recognize that it's just, uh, it can be a grind in the beginning. And, uh, and I, I would say most businesses, as an owner, if you're starting something up, about 18 months is what it's going to take before you can even uh, judge whether things are going well or not. <laughs> what, what do you guys think you did really well early? Consistency. Showed up every day. Um, whether we felt like it or not, we posted a show every Wednesday. Um, we treated it like a business. Um, yeah. There's just there was a lot of things that uh, you know, I think a lot of young entrepreneurs. I don't know how many times I've I've had people with podcasts even and and reach out and go, hey, you know, I've been doing this for a while and I'm not really seeing the results I want to see. And I'm like, oh, how long you been doing? It? And they're like, three months. And I just <laughs> I just laugh. I'm just like, wow, you know, if it really took three months, there'd be more people doing it. And the truth of the matter is, is I don't really get into anything that other people are doing. So like if I see that, like I always try to figure out how to do it different or really better. You know, I actually tried to get into the equipment business at one time and I spent about three months in it when I realized that nobody was going to catch Rogue. And um, even if I wanted to catch Rogue Fitness, you know, it was going to take an enormous amount of work and just it just wasn't in my wheelhouse. So I just stopped because I really don't believe in offering something that's not going to be the best service to the person I'm offering it to. Um, coaching is pretty cool because, um, you know, if you're if you're in the business of coaching, it's, it's great because um, you're the perfect fit for somebody somewhere. 
So it's not one of those things where one coach is better than another. Just some coaches jive with different clients better. And so just being different is good and, and coaches being themselves is good. But with like a lot of businesses, if you're going to go heads up with another company on something that's already being offered, um, if I don't think I can be the best at it or the first at it, then I just don't do it. In terms of your coaching, have you transitioned in the past year? I know you said you have some different thoughts that happened over this past year not so much coaching business or movement and fitness, but more about living life and taking advantage of different opportunities. Has your coaching changed at all? Uh, tremendously. So um, my view on coaching now is, um, I, I would say I've just been refined over the years. So what I do in this moment is I, I listen to the person I'm coaching and I really figure out what it is they need to hear to get to the to the next step and no further. And, you know, tell them what they need to hear. Give them something to do that will get them to the very next step. Um, I, I, uh, I'm careful not to overwhelm with too much stuff. Um, I'm, I've got enough. I'm, I'm comfortable in my own skin to not try to impress people these days. I think a lot of coaches get in trouble. I mean, I see this with like business conferences and stuff too. It's like, it's like there's the only thing they know how to do is give you more content. You know, like the only thing they know how to do is just, you know, it's like, oh, we have 90 minutes. I'm going to fill all 90 minutes with just tons of stuff that you'll never implement. And so, um, yeah, I would say my coaching style is to listen most of the time and just offer the one nugget necessary to get them to the next step. Do you use coaches at all? Yes. Yeah, I um I have a, a business coach, a leadership coach who um has really helped shape me in the, over the last couple of years. It's been it's been a really great experience. And having a coach myself has really um helped me to see what coaching really is. You know, working with a coach that's much more experienced than me, and then also coaching in an area where I've never been a coach before. So before working with uh, Brian, I was not coaching business. I mean, I was giving business advice, but I wasn't like one-on-one -on -one coaching the way he has done with me. And, uh, it was working with him on business has really enlightened me on how to coach fitness better. In fact, how so just the whole, you know, listening and, and helping people see things from a different perspective. You know, I, Honestly, like it always, for me, it always comes back to helping people think differently. The reason somebody is not moving to the next step is because they're trying to solve the problem with the same, same thinking they went in with it with, that they created it with. That's an old uh, Einstein quote. You know, you can't solve, you can't solve a problem created with the same level of consciousness. Yeah. The same level of consciousness that created the problem, you're not going to solve it with that. So you have to create a new perspective. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I mean. Thinking differently is actually something I need to thank you on because the different things I've watched of yours or listened to every single time, I feel like I'm walking away viewing a problem or even something that's a success, thinking about it in a completely different realm and how I can change that and, and see a different avenue for a problem, anything like that. So that's been awesome. So I want to talk a little bit about Barbell Business. What transpired that? How did you guys get involved there? Um. I think we're about a year and a half in a barbell shrugged and I was just getting a ton of questions about how to run a gym well. And Doug and I were, we were running a gym really well. And so we, um, so we decided to do a show 
um, Barbell Shrugged about the, the business of running a gym. And I, you know, we realized during the break, I was like, man, this, this is just, um, this is not going to hit our audience. Well, uh, I was thinking, you know, I bet 10% or less of our audience are gym owners and most people aren't going to give a fuck about this show at all. And so on the show during the second half, it hit me. I was like, we should just start a second show. And I said, we'll start a sh- second show called Barbell Business, and that'll just be for gym owners. So it was then that we started creating a show for that. And so, yeah, it was, that was pretty much it. That's, that's what this caused us to do the second show was there was a demand for it, but it was not a, the right fit for Barbell Shrug to have those conversations. What I love about Barbell Business is it's not just for gym owners. I feel like some of the marketing business advice you guys teach there is just unbelievable for anyone who has a small business. It's been great to listen to. Yeah, we're very principle-based. And I think one of the reasons that we are that is, um, well, I'm, I usually focus on the philosophy of something before I get into the details of it. But uh, additionally, we, we learned how to run our gym business better from learning from uh, somebody who was teaching internet marketing. So it was running online business. So we took online business uh, education and then we uh, translated that into our gym. And so during the translation uh, from one industry to another, it's really easy to spot the, the common principles between, you know, what works and what doesn't. So while we were building our business, we were really getting a, a deeper grasp on what was really going on than I think a lot of people do. So I, I think a lot of times, you know, if somebody were, as an example, is selling advice for gym owners, they might be like, well, this is, I know how I did it with my gym. And that's all that they know. It's like, well, I followed this system and this is my method. It's like, cool, great. But I think one of the things that for us was we created our own systems based off of the principles and it, and it really allowed us to uh, to build a, a gym that was unique. And then additionally, like when it was time to give advice, it's like we were learning the principles even better ourselves. And one of the cool benefits to doing barbell business with Doug, my business partner, is basically once a week we get together and we talk about business. So we're super aligned on, on uh, business principles. So we're, it's someone can ask me a question. I'm like, I could tell you how I'm going to answer. I could probably tell you how Doug would answer the same question. So there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of like, what do you, you know, it's like, we already know what each other are thinking because we discuss the principles of business. So often we're on the same page. Oh, that's awesome. Any business owners you've had on or talked to, you think are just doing an unbelievable job. Um, yeah, we, we interviewed Bedros Koulian recently that, um, his, I don't think his show is posted yet. He runs fit body bootcamp. He's doing, he's got a really awesome story and, uh, and I really enjoy hanging out with him and learning from him. Um, man, there's so many people we're interviewing. I can't even keep up. Yeah, no, I'm pumped uh, to listen to that Bedros one. He's an upcoming guest on this podcast. So, I mean, he's got one of the best stories out there. That's going to be fascinating to listen to that one. Very good. Yeah, and you know, uh, AJ Roberts used to co-host with us, and just anything AJ says is amazing. Um, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like. Yeah, I mean, you, you guys my, are interviewing my, so many people. I didn't know if anyone stood out like Bedros did there, but yeah, I mean, we'll, well definitely. Not only that, that, we're like, we're twenty shows ahead right now, so I'm, I've been, 
uh, I think I've rocked 25 shows in the last two months uh, or less. So I'm just my uh, my recall on <laughs> the specifics of shows and guests is not what what it could be. We we won't hold you to that one then. So what are some major problems you're seeing in the gym industry right now? I mean, I know you probably have a million things you see, but anything standing out? Um, you know, I, I think the biggest issue is um, a people. Uh, there are gym owners who are selling coaching that don't have coaches themselves. So they're not aligned. Um, and then, so that's problem. Number one, problem number two is, uh, the, a lot of these business owners don't value themselves enough to charge uh, what they need to charge in order to, to make it their full-time gig. Um, how do you know your worth there? So what, how do you know your worth? In terms of what you're going to charge, how do you find that out? How do you test the market? I think you guys have done a great job testing different things, and sure. I feel like you really understand that. Well, I start with how much money I want to make, and I, I reverse engineer it. <laughs> Simple enough, but no, it gets the job done. So many people just don't don't take that approach, so they completely screw this up entirely. Totally. No, I mean, I mean that's a that's a step that people have to go through because. Um, a lot of gym owners, and I did this myself, was I looked around what other people were doing, and I just was like, oh, they're charging 125 bucks a month. I'll do that. Um, and then I realized, oh, how many members would I need to make the money I want to make? Oh, I need that many. Oh, I need to add coaches. Well, this gets complicated. And next thing I know, I was like, well, this business does not, does not even work. And so there was a day where I looked at the numbers, and I, and I sat down with my partners, and I was like, how much money do you want to make from this? And then, you know, I personally looked at the, the gym business. I was like, you know what? I'd be happy with 75000 a year. And if I make less than that, I don't want to run this business. And, and so now I'm in a spot where, um, and, it, and it does depend on what kind of business. Like if I'm, the type of business I'm running now, um, I expect more. Um, but out of a gym business, yeah, there, there's a certain level of expectation. You can't just be like, I want to make a million dollars a year and run a gym. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> so but the truth is, I go, look, there's how much money I expect to make from this. And okay, how much, if we're going to have 150 or 200 members, how much money do we need to be making per member to make this work? And we go, oh, in all reality, we need to be making about $200 a month per member. You know, and I go, oh, okay. Well, I guess that's where we're putting our prices. There's no choice because if I charge any less, then I'm sacrificing myself. I'll never be happy. And I don't even want to be in this business in the first place. So for me, if, if it is not possible for me to reach my goals, I just won't do it. But I see people do that constantly. It's, it's really confusing to me. They're like, I want this, but they don't even set the system up for success. Like it's impossible for them to reach their goals. So when people are doing that, then to me, that screams that there's, uh, subconscious sabotage going on. They really don't believe that they're worth it. And uh, um, that's something that they probably need to get a therapist for. Uh, <laughs> or they can just sit down with me and, uh, you know, we can bring them to tears or whatever. But uh, no, we, we have that. We have that conversation. Our coaching staff has that conversation with gym owners all the time. What do you see happening in the next five years? I know, what is it, 10,000 plus uh, CrossFit boxes in the U.S. I feel like there's Globo gyms anywhere. What do you think is going to be happening here shortly? Whew. 
the next 10 years? Um, five years. I, I think uh, if we're, I feel like if we're looking 10 years out, I think you're going to probably mention something about AI coming more into play. I'm I was going to say that five years. You think that, that'll be in five years? Yeah, people need to watch out. Um, oh, let's the, dive in on this. I'd love hearing what you've been seeing out there. I know you're pretty much up to date on all things that are coming out. I'm very up to date and on <laughs> on some te technology stuff, and it's it's very exciting. Um, unless you're not uh, great with change, if you're not great with change, you're you're screwed. But um, <laughs> if you're somebody who loves change, then you're in a in a really good position because it's 2017. So get used to it. The um, I really think that uh, the writing of workouts. So like <laughs> in the in the gym industry. There's so much emphasis put on program design. Uh, pretty soon, there's going to be uh, machines figuring that out very easily. We already have individualized um, medicine or personalized medicine. Um, we're able to do take a lot of uh, your blood work, fecal matter, any kind of any kind of uh, test, and really figure out what kind of nutrients you need. And uh, don't be surprised if. Uh, somebody who's overweight finds out that they just need a certain type of probiotic in their diet. They add that in all of a sudden they start dropping pounds, feeling better, becoming more active because they, they introduce this new probiotic to their gut. Um, and they change something about their gut and their whole life changes. Um, so that's going to be coming down the line. Um, and then, uh, you mentioned the probiotics. I know there's some unbelievable studies that have just come out recently about the gut connection with the brain there. Any probiotics you take or things you recommend elemental wisdom elemental wisdom yep and that's wisdom with a z um i've tried a lot of different probiotics right now that one's my favorite um i'm hoping there's always better coming down the line and probiotics is one of those things that people typically need to cycle uh through different types of strains and and whatever however i find the elemental wisdom um i feel the best when i'm using that i i can really feel the difference um so yeah, the, the gut health thing, I think is only, it's not a fad. It's, um, it's only going to get more intricate, more sophisticated and, uh, and really good for us. Um, because changing your gut is actually, uh, very difficult and, and complicated. It's not just like, uh, just take this probiotic. So for instance, if I stop taking probiotics, my gut will actually go back to where it was before. So it's something you have to continually supplement with, um, our, most of what our gut biome is doing was was really decided in the first few years of our life. So we really, uh, you really can't change that much um, in, in the way that it, you can keep introducing stuff right now. I, I think in the future, we'll be able to actually change it uh, more rapidly. Um, so there's that. Um, and so I, and the gut drives a lot of what's happening with hunger and food choice, believe it or not. So your gut is telling you to eat sugar or this or that. So um, we, uh, when those cravings go away, people become they start making better food choices. So I think a lot of the nutrition stuff that is happening now will not be necessary in the future. Um, and then movement. So coaching movement is going to be reduced greatly. And um, we're already seeing. I you know I was uh, hanging out with my friend yesterday, and she had this thing called Spire. And it's a device that you wear that um, it's, you can barely, like you can just put it in your belt, in your, in your pants. And it's measuring whether you're breathing 
with your diaphragm or not, <laughs> whether you're getting diaphragmatic breathing. And, um, and that's huge because if you're breathing shallow, then you're producing more cortisol and your hormones get all thrown off. But if you're breathing deep, then you stay nice and calm. You can see the bigger picture. It changes your consciousness. And this little device will be measuring and it'll actually vibrate at you if you are not breathing well. Hmm. And so uh, most people are completely unaware of their breath and something like this will fix it. Um, so, you know, I, I think about fitness and three different buckets you have, you know, what are you doing, the program, the workout, um, what are you eating and then how are you moving? And so all these things are going to be, uh, more and more so managed by technology and not by human beings. And a lot of coaches are really, anytime they try to get better at coaching, they put all their focus on one of those three things. And uh, even if those things aren't going away, they're becoming highly commoditized. And what that means is uh, there's such a proliferation of information right now in training that, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of coaches that write good programs these days. I can walk into a CrossFit gym and they're teaching really good weightlifting. This was not the case a decade ago. It was really terrible. So... In order to stand out, being better at writing programs, figuring out what people should be eating, and uh, and teaching people to move better is, is really either becoming a commodity or handled by a robot. So the way that you can stand apart from them is to learn how to teach people how to be um, better. And that's where the coaching is going, is how can we teach people how to feel and think differently than the way they were previously? Uh, and then if you don't have that skill set, you might be uh, SOL. <laughs> no, I and, love this. Yeah. And so, um, and there's so many different things. Uh, I, I think that, uh, I think people won't be going to the gym nearly as much in the future. And that's because, um, why would I go to the gym? Like most people go to the gym because they want to, why, why do you think people go to the gym? The average person. Uh, probably just for aesthetics. Yeah. I want to look good naked and I want my joints to feel great and I want to have energy mostly look good naked. And so, uh, if for instance, I have a, a machine watching my every movement 24, seven, 365, and it notices that I've been maintaining a posture that's not great for me. Um, then it's going to suggest that I change my posture through movement and say I am a sedentary individual who spends eight hours at a desk. Well, every 25 minutes, I'm going to spend five minutes moving in a way that's going to correct the posture that I was maintaining at the time. And so when we're constantly, when we're having a, an outside observer uh, that is constantly monitoring our posture and movement, it can then make recommendations that um, are going to help me to move better. So Say I stand at my desk for 12 hours in a day and I'm working and for 10 minutes of those 12, you know, of every hour, I'm moving based on what this machine is telling me to do. And I notice, well, I'm way more productive with my work because I'm moving, which uh, I'm, I'm not getting stagnant mentally um, or emotionally. And then I'm doing all these movements. Well, in 12 hours, I rack up two hours of movement which is much more than what most people get that go to the gym. Most people go to the gym, they might go there for 45 minutes or an hour, and that's the only movement they get. It's condensed into one lump sum, 
And it's really not, from a health perspective, it's definitely not the best way to go about it. So as more information comes out, what we're going to see is in order to be lean and in order to have some muscle mass and in order to feel good and look good, we're going to start seeing, and we're starting to see, and the research is showing this, is that physical activity is the most important thing. And then what's dubbed um, exercise in the gym is should be a cherry on top. And so more information is going to come out about physical activity in general. Simultaneously, we're having the ability with augmented reality to have nudges um, come in and nudge us to be a little more physically active than we were. Because the information's out there, the workplace is going to transform into a more movement-friendly type of environment. And so uh, what's going to happen is, is well, I'm already moving two hours a day. I'm doing things like sitting in a squat, hanging from bars. I might have a little bit of equipment here or there at my house, and I feel really good. I look good naked. Why am I going to go to the gym and squat and bench press and do pull-ups? Um, I'm already kind of doing a little bit of that throughout the day, and it's probably more natural movement. You know, I'm squatting and crawling and all this kind of stuff. I really think we're going to get back to uh, a little bit of our ancestry in regard to movement due to augmented reality and AI. No, I love that approach. It's something I've been adapting more and more. You do mention a lot about just kind of the different um, science-based uh, implementations you can be using, but I feel like you're someone who's so spiritual. How do you find a balance between using the next newest gadget and just understanding how you actually feel? Um, so I never ignore how I feel. So our culture, going back to the school system, <laughs> our culture has put um, – put uh, the mind on a pedestal and it put science. Well, I would say is it's put the, it's put the external on a pedestal. It says, um, you know, your experience is not important. What's important is the experience that everyone can agree on. And the experience that everyone can agree on is called science. And the experience that's personal in nature is potentially a spiritual experience. Okay. Awesome. And so, um, I take this supplement or I take this, I eat this food or I do this exercise and I find that it's really good for me, but nobody else is reporting the same thing. Well, the average person completely denounces their own belief. They go, look, I had this experience and guess what? They throw their own experience out for the experience of the masses. And so what we have is a lot of, uh, sheep and, uh, that's science. Science is part of that in a way in that um, not all scientists are of this way, but a lot of scientists are, and a lot of people are, if you can't prove that it helped 100 people, I don't want to hear about it. Um, when the truth of the matter is, is all I care about is if it helps me or not. And I don't care if it hurt other people. Now, I can look at that data to for evidence of what might be beneficial for me, but I find there's a lot of things that are beneficial for me that is not beneficial for others and vice versa. So, um, you know, I think that people and, and, and the school system does this is like it, it really removes personal responsibility um, culturally. And so I think that if people were took personal responsibility and then also gave themselves permission and honored their own experiences, uh, I think they'd go a lot further. So you have what's, you know, the commonly referred to as science, and that is 
the inarguable truth that most people, you know, agree on. And then you have the personal science, which is, this is the things that I've witnessed as, uh, as an observer of myself. And we're all a scientist and we're all, some of us are better than others. And for me, I'm a scientist and that I'm always introducing new things into my experience and seeing how it changes that experience. So it's, um, and the reason I'm good at that is because I actually honor my experience as, as equally important as the experience of others. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash what got you there. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I'm a huge fan of Audible and definitely recommend checking it out. If you're looking for a way to stay energized throughout the entire day, grab a bottle of Suniva Super Coffee. Suniva is something I drink on a daily basis. It's an organic bottled coffee blend with lactose-free protein and MCTs from coconut oil, which provides me with clean, all-day energy. Head to your local Whole Foods or use discount code WGYT at drinksupercoffee.com for 20% off your order. Suniva was founded by three college athletes who are brothers and wanted the cleaner way to stay energized throughout the entire day. So you mentioned this past year has been a big year for you. It's been really difficult. Any idea why 2016 was so difficult? Um, I didn't listen to myself. So is that is that across business, relationships, life, everything, or was there one everything. thing? Everything. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I went through a phase where I uh, I was really listening to the advice of others, and I really was not tuned into um, what I knew was what, where I wanted things to go. And I think, I think that up to that point in my life, I, I needed to go through that because, um, the way I was behaving served me up until that point. And that same behavior that got me there was then holding me back. And so I just got into, I basically got into a whole new space, a whole new phase of life. And I didn't necessarily know where I was at in it. And it really was, it was a huge year of growth for me um, and learning to tune into myself even more. In fact, I put a lot of practices in place in 2016 to be more sensitive to my intuition and more sensitive to just feeling things in general, because I realized that that's where all the wisdom is at. And um, my body tells me way more than my, my brain will, um, and will tell me the truth and, uh, really tapping in and learning to listen to that is what really helped me break through, um, a lot of things in business that most people never get to the other side of. Any specific practices to really help with that intuition? Um, well, meditation helps. Uh, I think a lot of times people think a lot about the, when they think about noticing, um, they think about noticing their thoughts. And again, this is putting the mind on a pedestal, right? And I would really, uh, one of the things, one of the big realizations I had and a challenge that was made to me in 2016 was, um, I think most people would think that your thoughts create your feelings, right? And I started approaching life from 
my feelings create my thoughts. The, the feelings come first. And so I, anytime I was having a thought that I didn't like, I would go, wow, what's, what am I feeling? And I would, I, I would actually identify where I felt it in my body. Oh, I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my stomach. And I would really just notice it to a, to a point where I could sit across from somebody and, and explain to them the feelings that are happening in my body, the sensations. Um, and so this is separate from, this is different than emotions because emotions are like a, a biochemical reaction there where there's a lot of meaning around the emotion uh, and a sensation or a feeling is I'm not making a lot of meaning out of it. I'm just noticing it as it is. Um, and then saying that that's sadness or anger or something like that is, is making meaning of, of the feeling and that, and that's okay. Um, but, um, yeah, I really started honing in on how different, and when I walked into a room, what was that feeling and really just pausing and noting it. Um, and so I think that, you know, our intuition resides in our body and it's telling us a lot, but, uh, our body doesn't speak with words. It, it speaks with sensations. And so, you know, going back, we'll go right back to the school system, you know, uh, sit in a chair, don't move. Uh, you're, and then also if you don't feel well, suck it up, you know, ignore your feelings as much as possible. And so what we're doing is we're telling people, we're teaching people to ignore their intuition. So that part of themselves, that part of their consciousness that speaks through sensation uh, and feelings, not through words. Hmm. What about building stronger relationships? Anything you do with your wife, Ashley, to make sure you guys have a great relationship? Wow. Um, we actually started a practice recently where we just, uh, what we do is we dig up things from our past that we don't like about ourselves, and then we tell the other one about it. Huh. That's an awesome. No, I, I've never heard you say that before. So that's, that's a new one. I'll definitely have to implement that one with my wife. I've heard you guys talk about date night. You want to hit on that at all? Yeah. Um, we, we found, um, we tried to do date nights on the weekend. That didn't work. Tuesday night seems to be the night for us. Turning so, up on a Tuesday. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I try to start date night as early as possible. So we'll probably start date night tonight around like three or four. Um, or whenever she's done working, she's, she's working hard. I'm just kind of goofing off <laughs> but, uh, these days. Um, but, uh, yeah, we go out on Tuesday nights. Um, I personally, uh, on date nights, stay away from too much alcohol or cannabis or anything that might, um, that might influence my, like, like dull my experience. Um, and I really... Uh, you know, we have a great time. Other, you know, there's definitely other times where we might go out for drinks or something like that. But for me, date night's more about like being fully present with her. And so, um, and then having like date nights also a hard conversation sometimes. Um, and that's, that's kind of the date nights when we, when we share what's really going on for us this past week. And yeah, we usually just go out to dinner. We'll go walk on the beach. Um, we don't get too crazy with it. Yeah, what you hit on is those hard conversations that really help your relationship grow so much. I think that's really what I wanted to hear from you so my listeners could get that as well. Because, I mean, I, I've done that with my wife, and without a doubt, it builds that relationship so much more. Yeah, I'm, I'm real big. Uh, we actually, um, over time, we've become 
I'm less concerned with the comfort of the other person. So I'm not so concerned with worrying about how is she going to feel when I share this with her. Um, I just share things with her and then, you know, how, how she, she may not be a fan of what she's hearing, but it, in the end, it makes us closer. And uh, the more we practice that, where we're sharing things where we think the other person might not be a fan of it, um, it allow, it's actually allowed us to share things that are very heavy that, the, that would have really upset the person, you know, a year or two ago. And we get faster and faster at processing whatever emotion comes up out of that and then getting on the same page again. Oh, that's awesome. So now kind of transition back to the fitness space. What about supplements, adaptogens, nootropics, anything you're taking, anything that you just see is completely pointless? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we could go down on this one, but yeah. Anything that really comes forefront? Um, well, I'll tell you what I like right now. And I, um, there's two supplements that are, man, oh, fuck. There's so much shit. Um, sorry, I'm just swearing all over your podcast now. The, hey, uh, I wouldn't have had you on if I ever thought you were going to keep this one clean. <laughs> so <laughs> no worries there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, I really like what I'm doing in regard to adaptogens. I'm doing, um, I get that same company that makes that probiotic element of wisdom. They do, they make a, uh, something called metamorphosis and it has a lot of medicinal mushrooms in it. And a lot of those medicinal mushrooms are adaptogenic in nature, so I like those. Um, I take some supplements with Shizandra in it, Ashwang, how do you pronounce it? Ashwagandha. Um, uh, some things that are Ayurvedic in nature. And, uh, and there's certain supplements that just have those involved in them. So I take, I'm a big fan of one supplement called Qualia uh, from Neurohacker. Um, it's got a lot of adaptogens in it as part of it, the formula. Um, and it's a nootropic in nature. Um, it's different than other nootropics in that it is really big on uh, creating uh, the support system and an environment in your body to where you can have better cognition versus just sprinkling in some racetams to make you better that day. So it's about making you better over the long run. Um, and then it also with qualia, you're more likely to have uh, better empathy as well. It's not just about putting checks in the boxes. So I really like that one. Um you know, I, I think that on its alpha brain is good. Uh, Koyos makes a good supplement. Um, and then, um, so right now I'm, I'm taking a break from qualia and I'm, I'm having a different experience and that experience is with something called max adrenal. Um, and I don't take them at the same time because they have a lot of crossover and in ingredients. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, uh, they, uh, Max Adrenal by Nova Three Labs. They have um, they have quite a few adaptogens in them as well, and so and, and adaptogens is just what they do is they help promote uh, homeostasis and quick, which allows you to adapt to stimulus uh, more quickly. So if your body's in a state of homeostasis, when you if it's not in homeostasis, if it's in a if it's in a state of stress or uh, disrepair or something like that. And then you introduce stimulus. It may adapt a little bit, but not as well as if your body's in this, uh, place of homeostasis where everything's just running really well and really clean. And then you introduce a stimulus and your body's like, Oh, cool. We need to adapt to that. And it just adapts more quickly. 
Yeah, I mean, you're so in touch with your body. Is there anything, I know you mentioned when you were talking about your 16 ounces of water hat you have, you have the sea salt with that. Any little things like that, like apple cider vinegar or natural stuff you also take? Yeah, I played around with some apple cider vinegar. Um, it, you know, I, in phases, I, I don't do anything all the time. So, you know, I'll do months and months of this or that, and then I don't touch it for a while. So I'm on an apple cider vinegar break right now, but I was doing that first thing in the morning to kickstart my digestion. I've also done it. I think I know Tim Ferriss. He's mentioned it. And I've tried it out a few times, um, but I do bone broth before bed, so I don't do this. But I, I've done this before, which is like a teaspoon of honey, of raw honey with apple cider vinegar war- in warm water, like a tablespoon of that and then warm water and drink that before bed and get into a, a nice deep sleep cycle. Um, I don't know. What other like little things am I doing? It's hard to remember them all. Um, Cold showers, cold showers before bed. Oh my gosh. Life, life changing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to go back. Now I do a hot shower once in a while, but once you've gotten used to the cold shower, the hot shower seems silly. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. One thing I've heard you talk about, you've probably worded this differently, but what's a social norm you want to disprove in the next decade? So one of those things would be like, uh, fat's unhealthy, throwing garbage out the window a decade ago out of your car might've been normal. Now it's so frowned upon anything like that, that you want to see change over the next decade. Oh, well, um, people working for money. When did that change for you? I don't think I ever did it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) money's like, it's like air, right? It's oxygen. It, uh, like my body needs it to operate and having more of it can be good at times. And, uh, sometimes I need more and sometimes I need less. And, uh, but I don't live for the purpose of breathing. So, um, but if shit goes South, I, uh, and I'm stressed out, where do I go? I return to my breath and, uh, and I, and I, uh, and I, and it tells me a lot. My breath tells me what's happening with my energy. It, it helps control my energy, just putting my focus there and getting more of it and just kind of stopping what I'm doing and, and doing that. So I see money as energy or, you know, the analogy of, of air is really good. Um, so, and I know that money is running the show when someone uh, is uh, feels like they can't quit their job. like, they only work for the money and the benefits. Um, they don't really believe in what they're doing. Um, so, I mean, I hear it all the time. I hear it from business owners who have their nine to five and then they do their business on the side. Um, I, I would really like for that to be strange. I would like for you know someone to go, oh, I can't do this because the money. Like I just, for me, I just kind of look at somebody funny. Like I say, what, you know? And, uh, and, it, and it's, it's so funny because usually the people who are caught up about the money the most don't have hardly any of it. And the people that tend to do really, really well are the least focused on it. Hmm. And yet the people who don't have very much of it assume that the people that have a lot are thinking about it all the time and they're not. So it's, it's a, I've been on both sides of the coin now. And it's the, the mindset is really funny. And I've even seen people who start making a lot of money that weren't making a lot of money and the people they were, and 
their friends who still aren't making very much money look at that person as if uh, they're like, oh, wow, they must have gotten greedy or something. <laughs> it's like they don't want to believe that it was something else. I got a question. So say, say money wasn't a thing at all. Is if you had all the money in the world. Is there one thing or experience you'd buy? Um, I'd probably go to Ibiza more and dance. Um, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Probably a yacht full of women dancing. Yeah. I would do that once or twice. And then I'd, I'd go, Oh, that was cool. And then I'd go back to doing whatever I do. Gotcha. Yep. I figured that was going to be pretty similar to your answer there. You, so I know you mentioned just how much you learned. So we got a few more questions here. Who are some of today's thought leaders you're learning from? Anything in particular they're teaching you? Um, who's I don't know. What's a thought leader? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I mean, it could be. I mean, guys, you're doing the podcast with a guy you have a guest as a guest on. I mean, Ashley could be teaching you something. Uh, I oh, mean, Ashley I, teaches me every day. Yeah, I mean, I think. So I, I worded that question just because most of the time the guests we have on will, will pick someone who everyone seems to know. But I feel like you're the type of guy who is learning such profound things from the people closest to him that everyone else in the world might not really know who they are, but you're taking away so many key principles for them. Oh, yeah. I, I, I have an interesting circle of friends. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that there's a few of my friends who – in a decade from now, we're going to make Tony Robbins look small. Um, maybe not small, but like they're, they're going to be of that stature. Um, and people will be like, oh, yeah, Tony Robbins was like one of these guys, um, as an example. I, um, yeah, there's some, there's some really – yeah, in my circle of friends, there's a lot of really big heavy hitters that are really coming into their – own they're really getting comfortable in their own skin and they're really brilliant people who are also um achieving a lot and i really don't pay much attention outside of my circle because there are so many heavy hitters and um any of those guys you want to mention yeah yeah and uh, i'll mention this real quick first is like every conversation every party the conversation revolves around personal growth it's mm -hmm. We're not talking about the weather. We don't talk about sports. We really don't even talk about business that much. We're talking about like, what are we doing to, to change ourselves to be a better service, to, to enjoy life better ourselves and to also just show up better for those around us. Um, very relationship oriented. Um, Guy Ferdman is one. Um, Marcy Locke is another. Um, Anat Perry is another. Um, and I'm going to leave people out. Uh, Dmitry Kozlov's, um, and some people are going to be really well known and some people are just going to kill it in business from behind the scenes. Uh, I think one of those guys would be Aiden Perez, um, and, uh, Valerie Vera Montes. Yeah. There's just, I would say I, there, there's just a group. It's like, uh, everybody's growing together. It's, it's really phenomenal. Yeah. You mentioned your conversations at parties and it's all around personal growth. And the more and more I've heard you talk and watch things you do, you're constantly just, just building on that personal growth, which I just think is so cool. Um, so what are you most passionate about in your life right now? Going further. Hmm. I guess that should be no surprise. <laughs> I mean, in the, in, in the hour and a half here, I feel like that is just the key takeaway. You constantly are just improving, going further, doing more things. It's awesome. Yeah, I, um, there was a, it actually happened at a party on Sunday. 
I um, was having a conversation with a friend and he goes, he goes, are you working towards more? And I said, no, I'm working towards further. And he was like, oh, wow, that's, that's a really incredible distinction because so many people are reaching for more and more will not make you happier and it potentially causes more problems. But if you are seeking to go further, you'll, uh, you might find yourself in a really cool spot. I think with that, you just blew some people's minds right there. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's pretty profound. Like, that's awesome. What about, yeah, just two more questions. What's an idea you've had in the past year that you've changed based on new research? Um, um I, I use the BOSU ball to warm up now. I used to think it was ridiculous. <laughs> is, is there a particular routine online we can direct my listeners to to see that? Or do you just kind of roll around with that? Getting the animal flow. <laughs> no, I, I squat on the Bosu ball, um, and I squeeze it to activate my adductors mostly. Um, that was introduced to me by um, a weightlifting coach, a biomechanics professor, and and the the, the inventor of it all all within like one month. Um, it just kept on being reaffirmed that it was a good idea. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would say. Um, you know what? Uh, something I've changed my mind on. I used to be very anti-ketogenic, and I'm going to try it out this summer. Uh, I talked to enough people who n- know a lot about it, and I'm going to try a ketogenic diet this summer and for a few months and see how that – I'm going to run that experiment. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing your results with that. Definitely something I've played around with, but unlike some people, I haven't fully gotten into it, so maybe I need to do that this summer as well. I also started eating insects because I started doing research and found that they're way more nutrient dense than uh, any kind of meat. You can't just throw this one in here. <laughs> what, what, like whole insects here? Or are you doing, oh, what is it, the, the grasshopper protein, things like that? What is it? Uh, I get ground, um, like powdered uh, crickets, and I put them in my smoothies. Ground crickets. Now, uh, any company in particular you trust with that? Uh, you know, I'm just I'm trying it out right now. And... Um, yeah, I'm I'm not settled on a company yet, but I'm, I use just straight up ground crickets. Um, I don't know if I'll end up doing any of these special companies that put other ingredients in there or not. Okay, what kind of flavor is that? Dirt. <laughs> like is that dirt. what it is? <laughs> and a little bit of shit. It tastes like dirt and shit a little bit. <laughs> oh man, delicious! I, uh, You're getting I, me salivating I, I put, over here. I put berries and I I do throw some uh, vegan protein in there that has vanilla flavoring and stuff in it. So. I mask it for sure. I got but you. I, I started off with just like with a not too flavorful smoothie. And it the first one was really terrible, but I, <laughs> I got it all down. <laughs> well, all right. So, so since you're on diet right now, anything else that you kind of a staple your diet? I'm sure you change things up a lot, but a few things you're constantly having. Um, I Medicinal mushrooms like reishi, shiitake, cordyceps, lion's mane, turkey tail, just to name a few, are things that pretty much stay in it all the time. I don't do a lot of eggs. Um, they are potentially problematic. So, uh, and I used to eat a lot, so I don't do that. I don't do whey. Um, what am I doing? Yeah, I'm not doing anything crazy. Gotcha. Yeah, no, the mushrooms are something I definitely need to start playing with a little more. I've heard you talk about that so much. I've used them here and there, but I need to dive more on that this summer. So one more thing before we link my listeners up with you, if you could have them implement one thing into their lives, what would it be? I don't know. It depends on what they're doing already. Um, 
if you're not drinking water in the morning, drink water. If you're already doing that, then I would, uh, you know what, really focus on breath. That's number one. All movement originates with breath, whether you're looking at it like at the respiration of a cell or if you're looking at the mechanics of the muscles in your body. If your breath mechanics and and the exchange is not favorable, then, uh, man, you could just be in so much better spot. So I would check out Wim Hof. I would check out Jill Miller, Yoga Tune-Up. Um, that combo has garnered me really fantastic results. Awesome. We'll definitely have to check that out. So how about how can my listeners stay connected with you? I know you got a lot going on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got a uh, barbell shrugged. You can just go to barbellshrugged.com. Check out if you're into fitness, that's good. If you're a gym owner, barbellbusiness.com. And if you're interested in my own shenanigans, just go over to thebloodsoshow.com. Yeah, no, I know we didn't jump into the Bloodsoe show, but I have been loving that. So I'm happy that you're going to keep that one going. That's been great to listen to and kind of showing a different side of what you're really all about. So I love that one. But man, Mike, this has been a blast. I can't thank you enough and good luck with everything you've got going on. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. What got you there with Sean Delaney? Uh, what got you there with Sean Delaney? What got you there with Sean Delaney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.